When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Coaches, today before we get started, I want to thank our sponsor, CoachPad. Uh, no matter if you draw scout cards by hand or use a program on your computer, CoachPad will give you back time by never stuffing a binder again before heading out to practice. First 13.3-inch electronic device allowing coaches to clearly display scout cards outdoors in the sun has been a game changer for programs this past fall and those currently playing all across the country. This new technology allows coaches to coach and not the monotonous task of stuffing and dealing with binders on the practice field. Check out the Coach Pad and Coach Pad Mini on thecoachpad.com. Please make sure you check out our sponsors, our affiliates, and here is another episode of the Gap Down Backer Podcast. Uh, welcome back to another episode of the Gap Downbacker Podcast. Um, today we have the head football coach at Andrews High School in South Carolina, Coach Scott Durham. Uh, coach, how are you doing? Good. How are you doing? I'm, I'm doing pretty good. Um, I, I appreciate getting you on. Um, I've, I've You've been recommending me by two different people. Um, coach was kind enough to get on pretty quickly for us. Um, for people who might not know you or, or not know anything about South Carolina football, um, how do you end up as the head football coach at Andrews? Well, I've kind of uh, bounced uh, bounced all over the state of South Carolina, coached in several small schools um, in the area between Columbia and Charlotte, and ultimately wanted to be a head coach, knew that if I was going to be a head coach, I needed to get into a bigger school, sent out some uh, resumes. Um, one of the schools that had an opening was Goose Creek High School, which is uh, just outside of Charleston. And the head coach at Goose Creek was a guy named Chuck Reedy. And Chuck Reedy was the offensive coordinator at Clemson in the late 1980s, which I grew up about 20 miles from Clemson and practically spent my childhood in Death Valley. So knowing who he was, um, you know, it was an opportunity that I couldn't pass up. He had been obviously the offensive coordinator. They had been offensive coordinator at Baylor. He'd been the head coach at Baylor uh, following Grant Taft. Did, uh, ended up in South Carolina, got out of coaching uh, in college and decided he wanted to coach high school basically to get retirement because he bought all his retirement out when he left Clemson. So I knew if I wanted to be a head football coach, this was the opportunity. So I sent, sent, him, a, sent him an email, sent him a resume. He called me, went down and interviewed and uh, called my wife and said, hey, we're moving to Charleston. And so spent nine years there. Uh, we took probably the worst program in the history of the state of South Carolina and turned it into a program that was ranked 11th in the nation the last year that I was there. And then uh, from there, I got the head coaching job at Andrews and and uh, been here for nine years. Yeah, I mean, it's amazing, like, that Goose, that Goose Creek staff, I mean, there's like four or five of you that are now either have been or are now currently head coaches. 
Do you want to talk about real quick kind of that staff and kind of, I mean, you guys created a powerhouse there at Goose Creek, but also, like I said, all of you have been fairly successful since all of you left as well. It was, you know, in my opinion, the best high school football staff maybe this state's ever seen. Um, it was just a bunch of guys that could flat out coach. Um, you know, we had uh, Buddy King was offensive line coach. Buddy had coached at uh, LSU, Arkansas, Clemson, Wake Forest, South Carolina, coaching the old USFL back in the day. Um, you know, we had guys that that. Uh, have gone on to be, you know, Brad Bowles, the head coach, uh, Rob D'Amato has been a head coach, Chris Cantor, the head coach, just, just a great football staff and just, just an unbelievable opportunity to learn, you know, so much about the game of football, obviously having a head coach that, that coached in college for 20 years um, is a big deal. Our receivers coach, a guy named Mark Leposky, he had coached, um, he had coached at Temple, UT Martin, Carnegie Mellon. So we just had a bunch of guys that, that really knew the game of football. It was just a, just an unbelievable opportunity to learn the game. And then, and we all learned from each other. And the other thing that, that, you know, we all really got along well, it was a really fun group to be around just, just a fun, uh, fun time um, in, in my life. And then the opportunity, obviously, like I said, we took the worst, you know, Goose Creek was, I think coach Reedy inherited a 21 game losing streak um, and we were, you know, by year, by his third year, my, my first year was his third year. We were, uh, had a winning team and in the playoffs and within five years had won our conference championship and eventually, uh, won a state championship would have won two in a row, but we got tossed from the playoffs for a paperwork error. And, um, so he finished on a 26 game winning streak. Uh, that when I left there so it was a it was a phenomenal time and a phenomenal group of coaches now I mean you are I mean a lot of you are known for the option um and we'll get in the type of option you get into but why do you get why is the option the basis of what you do why what drew you guys to that or especially you to keep it as you've gone to Andrews well to me it goes back to high school I you know I ran a a an option offense in high school. Uh, it was kind of a mixture of flex bone wing T. Uh, then I go off to college, Cumberland College, and now the University of the Cumberlands up in Kentucky. We were split back beer team. Um, I only stayed there for a year, got hurt, moved home. Um, but then obviously growing up, you know, outside of Clemson in the 80s, watching those teams play, they were they were an option team. And then my coaching career. Um, up until my time, till I got to Goose Creek, was mostly in wing T offenses, and I absolutely hated it. And uh, you know, the one thing that's uh, always says, if I ever get out of this, I'll never go back anywhere near the wing T again. Um, but then I get to Goose Creek, and we're running the option. And what I figured out is, number one, people don't understand how to stop it. You just have so many people that don't understand. Because it's, you know, you got so many younger coaches these days, they don't, they, they've never seen half, half the people we play. Heck, we, we went to seven on seven this week, and it happens every time we go. We line up with a tight end, and everybody on the defense starts looking at their coach like, what do we do? And, <laughs> uh, you know, so it's, uh, it's just so unique, and people just don't understand how to stop it. And, and, and the other thing, you know, for, you know, we don't have to block everybody. Um, you know, we, we always, it always affords us the opportunity to double team people and always affords us the opportunity to leave somebody unblocked. 
And because we can run inside of your outside of your midline, we, you know, we tell our kids all the time, defense can't be right. You know, they can line up and they can take away one, might take away two. They can't take away all three by alignment. So it just gives us so many different options, different opportunities. And it's, it's been really good to us. It really fits in with the type of kids that we have. Um, you know, we have a lot of bigger offensive line. We have bigger backs, you know, really, you know, we've had full backs. They've all been 240, 250. Um, and it just really fits into what we do here at Andrews personnel wise. And, you know, I can't see myself ever, you know, ever doing anything else. Because you know, the other thing is I know it inside now. You know, and that's the one thing, if you're going to run an offense, doesn't matter what it is, you better know it inside and out. You better know what every answer is. And, you know, so that's the one thing, you know, people line up and give us all kind of crazy stuff. And I just, you know, and I can look at, I know exactly what the answer is. So it's kind of just, you know, this is, this will be my 19th year in this offense. It's kind of just ingrained, you know, into my DNA now. And, and uh, you know, I don't, don't see myself ever really doing anything else. Now, next thing is like, I mean, we talked a little bit before we came on and I've kind of been told beforehand, I mean, when people, when I say triple option, people automatically assume flex bone like that immediately. Right. And that's not really the type of um, triple that you guys run. I mean, you're, it's still triple, but it, formationally, you're more of an I formation triple team. Why, why the I instead of the flex? What, what does that give you that maybe the flex doesn't or why is that your personal preference? I know some of it goes back to the Clemson stuff that we talked about before we came on, but what are you, why is that your preference? Well, it gives us the opportunity to also be a heavy gap scheme team. We run a lot of counter and a lot of power. Um, and, and we also run uh, ISO and we run tall sweep. And, you know, we've gone into games where, you know, we uh, one of our county rivals first year their head coach was there he had been at a school that we played at goose creek and so he came in and they did something i don't remember what it was but the solution was i think we ran iso 27 times that night and he was like you know after the game he's like wow he goes i never thought that would be your answer you know so it, it just it just affords more opportunities you, you know the flex bone i mean you're you know you obviously you have some things out of that. The other thing is having is playing with a tight end because I think the best play in football is outside beer. And, uh, and so that the, the, being an I team, we play with at least one, sometimes two tight ends and, um, and still gives us, still gives us an opportunity to kind of spread people wide um, with, with having two receivers on the field most of the time. And then we can, you know, it gives us a great play action game as well. Okay. Now, I mean, you mentioned outside beer there, and and I know some of that stuff varies depending on who your personnel is and so forth. But what is your typical order for install for your your option in your gap game? Um, what do you marry together? Kind of what is your typical process as you go through the summer? We always start in the spring. We start with inside beer um, because inside beer is kind of just that's where everything everything is based off of that but it's also for the quarterback it's the most difficult in terms of footwork so we always start there and we typically pair inside beer with iso because we're looking for a shade five look to run that to or if we're playing a you know 50 team obviously a, a zero and a four four i 
or five, but that's going to be, so we pair those two together and then we go to outside veer and people think I'm crazy when I say this, but our, the, the outside veer is paired with tall sweep because what happens is you get a lot of teams, you know, we're running outside veer to a tight end. We're reading, you know, a, a six, a nine, whatever it may be. A lot of teams solution is to put a seven in there. Okay. Oh, that's going to make it. All right. Well, fine. We're just going to log that seven and run tall sweep or they play a six and just slam him inside. Same thing. We're just going to let our tight end wash that six down and we're going to run tall sweep outside of him. So we pair those two things together and then we go to midline as the last one. And, uh, and then once we get all that in, then we start adding, you know, our traps, power counter, uh, that sort of stuff. Okay. Now, I mean, I mean, I know you, you've worked with quarterbacks and you're big, I mean, quarterbacks, especially in that kind of offense, the footwork is paramount. And I don't think people understand that is how big is the, is the footwork difference between inside and outside veer truly for people who don't know the option game real well. It's, it's pretty significant, um, a difference, you know, we have a set of drills that we do every day. It's just something I came up with on the fly. 19 years ago that my first fall at goose creek and and you know we just do them we do them every day our you know quarterbacks know they you know by the time they've been doing it five or six years they absolutely hate it but they know they're going to do it every day and the one thing i can tell them is when i get it you know i get a kid you know in the seventh grade that spring or whatever and we're out there working on that footwork and he's totally lost has no idea what to do you know, one of the older kids said, just stay with it. And eventually it'll be second nature. And uh, so the inside veer is tough because now, you know, we, you know, most teams are, most teams step back, reach deep. Um, we're more of a, we're, we're more of a, like a split back veer team in that we're very flat. We want that first, that, that initial quarterback step to be very flat. We don't want to gain any depth at all. We, I don't even, I tell them if you can go forward, go forward because we want everything happening in the line of scrimmage. We really want to put the, the guy we're reading in a bind and make his decision, make him have to make a decision early and it be well-defined. Um, and we don't, you know, a lot of people do the V step, um, you know, with the left foot or the, 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 if you're going to the right, your left foot, you know, we're more of just, you know, flat, flat, and then a flat ride. And then, you know, obviously we're still reach deep, riding the side and then get off of it and go. Outside of here, we're more just – it's just three steps downhill, get to the match point and sit down. And it's so much easier on a quarterback. But our outside of here, it's very difficult on our fullbacks because most outside of here, most teams that run outside of here, run a straight line. You know, inside of here, whatever your landmark is, inside foot of the guard, crack of the guard, butt, outside foot, whatever it is. Inside of here, it's a straight line. Outside of here, most teams run a straight line. We do not. We, 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 arc, we arc our fullback. And we want him to be square to the line of scrimmage at the mesh point. Yeah. So it's a lot more difficult uh, for the fullback than it is for the uh, for the quarterbacks. But uh, you know, we, and we have some drills where we just work the two of them, just working on their first steps, and then get them to the mesh point and all that. So you know, it's one of those things. You know, it, it's a lot different, but it's you know, it, it is what it is. We spend spend a lot of time on it and. You know, our guys know that that's what we're doing. You know, we're not spending a bunch of time throwing the ball. We're not worrying about screens and all that mess. This is what we're going to invest our time in, and, and this is how we're going to win football games.
Now you mentioned drills there. What were those drills that you came up with to work on the footwork for inside and outside beer? Yeah, we take a little little half round dummy and lay it on the ground. The quarterback just starts right in the middle of it with his heels against the dummy. And we just, we just, you know, one of the quarterbacks calls a cadence and we just, we call it step and reach. So they take the initial step, just that flat step, and they reach the ball back, uh, you know, to where they're reaching for the fullback. The bag allows them to, you know, understand that if I step on the bag or I kick the bag out of the way, I've stepped too deep. You know, they, they, it has to be a flat step. It also, and I tell them, look at your foot. If your foot gets outside the bag, in the end of the bag, then you step, you make this, your steps too big and you're going to force the fullback, you know, off of his landmark. So we just, we literally just, you know, they'll say step and reach and they'll just do that like five times. And then we go, we call it, you know, because the whole process, we call it step, reach, ride, go. So we go step and reach. Then we add the ride. So they step, reach, ride. And they do that about five times. And then step, reach, ride, go. They're going to step, reach, ride. And then, and then go, you know, carry it on out to the, uh, to the point where they would pitch. And we just do it over and over and over. And then when we do our inside beer, I mean, I'm sorry, outside beer, we tilt the bag at a 45 degree angle because what we want is we do not want the quarterback going flat down the line of scrimmage. We want him getting into the line of scrimmage at a downhill angle. And so he's got that bag. So he starts, if he's going to the right, he's got his right heel is on the end of the bag and that bag tilted downhill to 45 degree angle. Cadence is called and it's just one, two, three, you know, right down that back. So if you're kicking the bag out of the way, you're too flat. And then when you know, it's just one, two, three, get there, sit, and, uh, and you're at the mesh point at that point. So, and then the midline, we get on the back of the bag, toes against the bag. Um, our big, big coaching points on midline is get off the line of scrimmage. You don't want you because a lot of, ten, you know, you tell them the fullback's coming right up your rear end. All right. And if you don't get out of the way, he's going to run through you. So they just step flat. We teach them that we want about a yard. You know, we're not going to get a yard. We may get 18 inches to two feet, but we're aiming for a yard yeah. to off the line of scrimmage and get out of the fullback's way. And the reason for that is because on the key, because now midline is 99% of the time is just a double option for us. Um, if he's going to keep it, he's getting right in replacing where the three technique left. And so we want that to be as downhill a run as possible. We don't want him having to run sideways to get into that hole. So that's why we try to get off the line of scrimmage. And we just like I said, we just do that over and over, do it all to both sides. Uh, and we do it daily. I mean, if, if we've got, if we're on the field and we're doing offense that day, quarterbacks know we're doing that. And, and just to get used to it. <laughs> now, my next question for you, because I mean, we mentioned the eye here and you talked about footwork right there. What is, I mean, is it tra traditional depth for your fullback and your running back, tailback, whatever you want to call it? Or do you, or how do you line your backfield to, for, to set up the, your, your zone principle, your nice zone? God, I don't know why I just said zone, your flex bone principles. <laughs> so we teach the fullback, the initial, initial alignment, the default alignment is toes at four yards from the ball. And the tailback is your toes are seven from the ball. Mm -hmm. Um Fullbacks, we will move up if we we never we're never gonna move them. Well, we have one play where we're gonna move them back, but for the most part, you know, if we're running inside of your midline, they're too slow, we'll move them, you know, we'll move them up to three and a half. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, that's something not discernible on film. 
you know, really, unless the ball's perfectly on the, you know, the 20 yard line, then you might be able to tell. But so again, it just depends on, you know, I've never had a guy that we had to move back, but so a lot of them, we move on. I right, said, so you go to three and a half or hell move to three. If you have to, Yeah. Uh, whatever it takes to get you to that point. Uh, and that's just the inside of your midline for the most part, everything is going to be at four. Uh, outside of here, you don't want to get too tight because you want it. You won't be able to get square when you get to the line of scrimmage. And then now, the tailback. The only, the only time the tailback ever cheats from seven is if we're in quick game, and he's you know he's got obviously he's got a protection um, off the edge. We tell him to cheat up just just to get there a little quicker. Now, um, from a practice schedule standpoint, for people that run the option or are looking to run the option at some point. What does a typical like practice schedule look like for you offensively? We're going to go, we're going to go individual, you know, everything, obviously we're, everything's five minute periods, you know, let's say we're now I'll, I'll say this, we're, we're unique in several ways about practice, but one thing is unique. Um, we never, ever go past two hours and 15 minutes ever i mean so that means you know we may not have but an hour and you know an hour and 10 minutes on offense but let's say we've got 14 periods of offense and then we're going to do at least three periods of individual and two of those periods are going to be option footwork for the quarterbacks and the you know running backs are doing their ball security drills, whatever, you know, I don't know what the line they're down there doing, whatever they do. <laughs> uh, hopefully they're coming off the football. That's what I tell them. I don't care. I just want to come off the ball, knocking the hell out of somebody. That's, that's our number one goal. Um, but then we're going to go quarterbacks and fullbacks alone. And we're going to spend five minutes, five to 10, you know, one to two periods, depending on what we got that day. And we're just going to, you know, we're going to line up quarterback, fullback, quarterback, fullback. And we're going to call a case. We're just going to focus on the first step. We're going to do inside here, just focusing on the first step because that's the key. The, the whole key is the first step. If they don't get the first step right, then the whole track's off. And so we really focus on, you know, if we're running inside here, we would tell them if we're going to the right, then you take your right foot, you point it at the crack of the guard's butt, yeah. and, and, and you stay on a straight line from there. If we're running outside here, you know, it's a 45-degree step. First step, 45 degrees. If it's midline, it's straight ahead. And we got to make sure to step with the right foot. When we when we uh, started doing this drill a few years ago, the one thing we started discovering is, is we got fullbacks stepping with the wrong foot, and that's part of our problem. So this has kind of helped us clean up a lot of that. And then from there, we go to – we actually put them at the mesh point. They start at the mesh point. So the quarterback, he's taking his step, reach – uh step he's got the ball it's in the fullback's gut we make sure the fullback's got the proper foot forward proper pocket proper lean pad level all that and then we snap the ball and they just run through the mesh point and we're fucking in there we're focusing on with the quarterbacks you know the give pull part and and letting them understand and learn how to feel that and what we tell the quarterbacks look if you're going to give it obviously you're going to pull your back hand but apply some pressure with your front hand you know, just let him know that, that that little bit of pressure should let him know that I'm giving you the football. And then we have to, you know, the fullbacks, obviously, the, when they're young, we have they have to learn not to take the ball. You know, they get tired of hearing me let the quarterback make the decision. 
because they, you know, the hell they can see, they see that three technique slamming in there. They want us clamp down on the ball and bend it back and, and they screwed the whole thing up. So, you know, that, that, that drill has really helped us. I think at that mesh point and learning to get the feel, you know, the ball handling and all that at the mesh point. Okay. Now you also mentioned earlier that um, you were at a seven on seven the other day and you had coaches freaking out because you had a tight end uh, and kids. Um, from a pass game standpoint, I mean, from seven on seven and in the season, obviously you're not going to pass a crap ton. I mean, that's that your, your offense is built on, I mean, really most option and wing T and uh, double wing offenses are built off of opening up the pass to the run and taking your shots when safeties and corners are getting nosy for deep vertical shots. From a pass game standpoint, what do you kind of look for? How much do you try to carry? I mean, what, what is your kind of system there? Well, we, um, you know, we've got our basic quick game routes and we, we run, we do run a lot of quick now. I say this, it depending on our quarterback, you know, um, last year we didn't throw a, a whole lot at all. The, my, the year before we were really good. Uh, my oldest son was a quarterback, really understood what we were doing. And, and we had some, we had some really athletic receivers. We threw the ball a lot more, um, but we're, we have a, a, a you know, quick game. Um, you know, we, we run hitch, slant, fade out bubble. Um, you know, we run fin route. We, we run, you know, double slant a lot and one thing you know i was at a clinic speaking at a clinic back in february and we were just talking about run game stuff and one of the other coaches that's in our was was in our conference they're dropping down to a different classification next year but you know he said he, he asked me to talk about some of our passing game stuff he said because you guys throw the ball extremely well for a team that doesn't throw it very much and uh, so, I, you know, kind of took that as a compliment. But, we, you know, with a lot of quick games, if, look, if we're lining up and, you know, we're in, you know, pro right or left and, and you're sitting there corners of seven, eight yards off and you don't have anybody underneath it, we're going to make a hitch out there and hope our guy can make, you know, make you miss a tackle or whatever. And if you're going to get up and press us, we get a ton of just two on two. You know, we play a lot, run a lot of twins. We get a lot of just two on two. So we've got, you know, we've got some things, you know, that we run there. And then, we sprint out uh, a decent amount. Our, most of our quarterbacks are shorter kids, um, not really great pocket guys. And we've and they're also usually good runners. So we like to get on the edge and we tell them when we sprint out, um, you know, if, if the rule on sprint outs is run, if you can throw, if you have to. And uh, so, you know, we run curl flat, um, smash, you know, those types of things. We'll run. Sometimes we'll just, run a one-man route out of two tights with a flanker and we'll just sprint out and run a whip route, you know, third and seven or whatever. So we got that. And we've got some play action stuff. You know, obviously one of the things that we run into against really good, well-coached teams is we're going to get two high safeties and they're going to run that, that hash safety, whichever side we're going, they're going to run that guy to pitch to take away to take away pitch and they're going to squeeze and scrape. And so we've got to be able to combat this. Our answer for that is we go play action off the inside of ear, boom, drop back. And we throw the post right over the head of where that, that safety just left. Um, and we've got some other play action stuff, dig, curl, whatever that, that we, you know, we do, we just, all that gets installed in the spring when the, the first three days when we're not in pads and all summer. 
once we get into the season, you know, we're 85% focused on run game option. And then I tell our guys, you know, all the summers when we're going to get our passing game stuff in. And we do four seven on sevens every June. We've got a school down uh, near Goose Creek that we go, we go down there and it's just kind of a, it's not a real competitive setting. It's just, you know, 10, 12 teams show up every day, every Thursday trying to get better. And you'd be shocked, you know, us just running a quick game, sprint out, play action. We go up and down the field on people. Um, it's really amazing. Um, even the people, you know, everybody's out there playing two man and, <laughs> um, you know, which is good. We get a lot of man coverage because people people don't understand what they're doing. They don't they don't put two on two on our receivers and try to commit the other nine to run. And so we've got some rub routes and some stuff that we run. And you'd be surprised how wide open we can get people. Um, you know, with the limited amount that we actually time that we actually spend on it. That's good, coach. Now, the other thing I want to ask you because I mean, obviously, you're you spent more time with the quarterbacks, so you have a little different perspective than when I talked to like an option or line coach. Um, when, when you guys are, um, let me, I want to rephrase this. When you are looking talking to other high school or college option guys or, uh, watching other option teams on film, what do you think some of the things that you most notice that people miss or like aren't, or mess up or especially like young coaches who come to ask you, uh, for help, like, what are the, what are little teaching points or things that are commonly missed that you think uh, could help some of the option teams out? You know, I think one one thing I see a lot is people that don't understand. You know, and and it can be hard, especially flexible teams that don't play with a tight end. It can be hard, but you know, they'll they'll be getting a, a three and a five. And they're trying to run inside beer into that. And not that you can't do it, all right? But it's a very difficult thing to do, especially if that three is a, a bigger kid that you can't get any movement on, um, you know, because – and the other thing is and, – and, and you get a lot of, you know, backside – there's a backside linebacker coming in there because your fullback wants to bend that thing back and and uh, and, and take it away and, and, and run back in there, which kills the match point and ends up with the ball on the ground. You know, and I think the other thing is you just see you just see so many people, a that just want to dabble in it. They don't understand that it's a commitment. If you're gonna do it, it's a commitment. Just understand you're marrying it and just dive in and do it and forget all that other stuff. You, you you're not gonna to get to you know go to the, the the cool meetings at the at the clinics. You know all the cool coaches, all the spread guys, they're gonna shun you or whatever. Um, just understand that that's okay. <laughs> but uh, and then it, it just just. I, I get frustrated a lot. I, I tell people all the time, Al Savir is the answer to 90% of your problems. If you're trying to run triple option, put a freaking tight end on the field and run out Savir, and it's going to solve 90% of the issues that you're having. Now, now why do you think that is? I mean, like, because I, I, I get two perceptions from, from when I talk to object coaches. Either out, outside veer is the, the king of kings, and that's the best one, or I'll get the inside veer. That's the and it's in both said, but why, why for you is it outside veer the answer to most of your problems? What is it about outside veer um, that solves those problems? Well, in the world of the spread, okay, in the world of the spread, most of the time people are playing four, two, five or three, four defenses. Yes. Just, I mean, we, 
hardly ever see a four three. Um, we run the four three, but most everybody up that it's going to be four two five. Well, four two five, three three five, or or three four. That's predominantly what you see. All right. I put a tight end on the field. You've got to take a guy who has spent 99% of his time getting coached on playing in space. you got to put him on the line of scrimmage now. And now he's got to come down and decide, am I going to really want to stick my nose in there and tackle this 240-pound fullback, uh, or I'm not just going to kind of stand there and let him run by me? Uh, it just – I think it, it, it brings a lot of guys out of their comfort zone and puts a lot of defenders on the line of scrimmage that don't want to be there, that aren't used to being there. And the other thing, I don't think coaches, a lot of coaches that I talk to, and this is the honest truth, they don't understand the difference between inside and outside beer. Yeah. I mean, they really don't. So they can't understand why, you know, we're, we're just ripping them. You know, I, we've had games where we've called outside beer. I mean, we probably had we, in the nine years that I've been here and plus the nine at Goose Creek, I, in those 18 years, we've probably had 80 games where we've called outside beer more than 30 times in a game. And it's just people just don't, you know, it, it's, it's the solution, whatever they're doing. Everybody wants to, everybody, you know, wants to think that the solution's in here you know, and, and that, that becomes the answer. I'll give you a great example. A few years ago, we are in the playoffs. Team out of Charleston had won a state championship a couple of years before that. We, we really heard there, there were there were three, four teams, so it was pretty much straight five, two against us. Look, we're really hurting them with ISO uh, inside beer, and but we're, we're hitting outside beer a lot. It's basically those three plays. Their solution at time time, they came and take those two guys they've been playing at fours and slid them into threes, went through like a bear front. Yeah. And we ran outside. We got the ball at the 22-yard line, ran three plays, ran outside beer three times and scored. Um, so people just, just don't understand how to defend it. And I don't know, it, it's, been, it's been our best play for 18 straight years. Oh, I get that, and I I don't really necessarily understand that adjustment because at that point you're just inviting your three to get comboed. Yeah. And yeah, okay. Um, but I mean, one of the last ones I I want to ask you because I always ask every option coach uh, this because I think finding option coaches is not the easiest thing in the world. They're just not like there's three Division One schools that run the option. Like I mean, I don't really count what. Georgia Southern's run and Coastal as I mean they're 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 gun option. It's a, a different animal. Um, lower D one there's like two or three. Division two there's like three or four. Division three college there's a lot in NAIA there's a lot of them. Um, and then there's the high school coaches. Um, so for you for you uh, from a research source standpoint, who do you talk to or go to when you want to discuss bounce ideas off people? Um, is there other high school coaches? Is is there I mean, I know you guys are close to the Citadel, um, and they're a huge resource for a lot of you guys down there in the down south from what I've talked to people. Um, where do you kind of go to bounce ideas off of stuff you're looking at or adjustments? We, honestly, YouTube. <laughs> I mean, not and, – and I'm not talking about other coaches on YouTube. I go find old, old, old Clemson games from the 80s, Nebraska games from the 80s and 90s. Um, you know, the Citadel, I've never really spent a lot of time with those guys. 
I mean, we like I said, we have some flexible principles, but it's still vastly different. Yeah. Um, you know, and and really, we're you know, people ask me all the time. I was up at Clemson this spring for their uh, spring clinic, and I had a coach come and say, "Coach, what are y'all doing offense?" I said, "We're we're we're what you might call a unicorn." Um, you know, we're under center, we're two backs, we're triple option. And, oh, wow. Yeah. And I don't see that very much. Um, so we, there's not a lot of, you know, for what we do, I don't really know of, of anybody else. There is a, there is one other school in our state. I spent some time with, um, back in the spring, they're going to what we did. Um, but this guy, the, their head coaches had spent some time at Clemson as well during that time. So, He's kind of familiar with it. Um, but, yeah, I, I go pull old game, and I just call my old boss and say, hey, what do you think about this? And yeah. he, he's, you know, he's my my number one resource. Um, he, he's, you know, I think he knows this stuff probably better than anybody. Um, you know, I know, like, when I was at Goose Creek, he it, it sounds arrogant, but it's true, really. He, you know, Wofford always – you know, Wofford had all – I don't think they do yeah. it anymore – but when Mike Ayers was there, they were a big triple option team, a flex bone team. And he always had a big camp and they were always trying to get, you know, our guys to come up there. And he's, he'd always tell the coach, he's the assistant coach. He's look, I'm, I'll send him a line. I don't, you know, that's fine. So I ain't sent him a quarterback. And he's like, why not? He said, cause we know more about what we're doing than y'all do. And all y'all going to do is screw him up. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, he said, you know, it, it was just like, we know more about the option than y'all do. So y'all, I ain't gonna let y'all mess him up. Um, but you know, that he, he's, he's the best, uh, he's the best resource out there. And, and like I said, I, I, I've been at this for 18 years and, you know, it's hard for anybody to throw something at me that I haven't seen before. Yeah. You know, now can we get there, you know, get our kids to understand that? Not always, you know, we, we've been a little bit limited the last few years just cause maybe we haven't been quite as, as good up front or not even not necessarily talented wise, but in terms of just, mental part of it just understanding what we're trying to do but um, yeah that that that's my main my main resource um and I'll, I'll be honest with you i like to hear you know i I, was, I went to clemson grew up in clemson i you know i'm up there all the time i you know i i, I spent probably 45 50 minutes with brandon streeter one night this summer just talking about various things because i like to take you know, RPOs, people are like, hey, well, we, yeah, we, we figure out, you know, we tag, we add some of that stuff to what we're doing. And I like to try to take some of their stuff and see if I can't figure out a way to mess it with what we're doing as well. Just, you know, always just looking for ways to, ideas to improve and get better. Um, but yeah, the option stuff is pretty limited to where you can, where you can find resources. Well, coach, I appreciate you coming on today. Um, Coaches, give him a follow on Twitter. His Twitter uh, handle will be in the bio of the video or the audio, whichever one you're looking at. Um, like, share, subscribe, all that lovely jazz. Uh, re uh, look at our sponsor stuff uh, through Coach Pad. It's in the bio as well. Um, Coach, I appreciate you coming on. Um, and that's another episode of the Gap Downbacker podcast. All right. Hey, I appreciate you having me.